Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Hey, it's so good to see you on our virtual gathering today. Whoever you are, whether this is your first time watching or you've been watching throughout all six months of lockdown, or six plus months, I don't know. Um, it's so good to see you. And uh, if you're watching locally or you're watching further afield, again, we're so honored that you would spend these few moments with us. If you are watching from Lancashire, obviously you would know that a couple of days ago, we went into tier three lockdown. And uh, we're, I just want you to know as a church, we're praying for peace. And it is such a difficult time for so many people, but this isn't forever. And I believe that we will get through this, but just know as a church that we are gonna be supporting our local community. We're gonna be supporting our church community as well. Uh, so keep your ears and eyes open uh, for ways in which we're gonna be supporting and helping people. So let's jump into this morning. I guess I could assume that if you're watching this today, that at one point in your life or throughout many different points of your life, you have had a desire to encounter God, a desire to know more about God. Maybe the reason you're watching today is because you're curious, because you really wanna know about this faith. You wanna know that is there more to life than this? What about this God? What about all these things that are said? Maybe you have this deep desire to encounter God for yourself. You've heard other people talk about it, but you just wanna encounter him for yourself. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. You've grown up in faith and everything's very familiar to you. And today you have that same desire that you just really want more, more knowledge of God, more experience of him, more revelation of who he is, just a deeper encounter with God. Or maybe the way you process life is more intellectual and and you've understood God as this ideology or this concept, and you've, you've understood maybe things in the Bible and how things work together. And maybe you have this deep desire to move God from this, uh, this concept or this ideology into this living, breathing relationship. I wonder maybe if you could echo uh, this sentiment from the psalmist who writes in Psalm 41, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. You can hear the psalmist just saying, God, I just want more of you. He paints this picture of this deer coming to the streams of water, just desperate for a drink. Like our soul just longs for more of God, longs to encounter God in a deeper way. Now, I believe that in the heart of every single human, that at the heart of humanity, there is this inherent desire to be reconnected with God. There is this God-shaped hole inside all of us, and we crave, we long, to be connected to our creator. And uh, I think, I believe that humans are transcendent beings. We have this ability to zoom out of ourselves and see ourselves. And um, that sounds super artsy, but what I mean by that, we have this desire to kind of see more than just what we experience. We can imagine, we can dream, we can envision things, we can transcend ourselves and see where we are and see where we want to be and then make that happen. We create that. It's something that exists in our mind and we live it out. We have this ability to transcend ourselves. But one of the characteristics of humanity when it comes to our relationship with God is we have this desire to be connected to God, to be reconnected with our creator. This desire to be connected to something bigger 
than us. Like you see this in so many ways. Like uh, I guess so many people desire to uh, be in community or to belong to a group or a team or something. Uh, you ask them, well, what is it you like about supporting that team or going to that club or, or being in this community? They'd say, I just like being part of something bigger than myself, knowing that I'm part of something more than just me. I guess it begins to scratch that itch of being connected to something utterly far more transcendent than us. Or you even see it in people's negative decision making. When people turn to, to substance like drugs or alcohol to feel this elevation of self where we can be lifted out of ourselves and into some form of elevated state, it gives us that desire that, that it scratches that itch to be transcended by something bigger than ourselves. Or even when people turn to like adrenaline or dopamine or things to make themselves feel good or things that, that take them out of the state that they're in and connects them to something bigger. That's why humans are superstitious. We, we like this idea that there's something other than us that's bigger than us that makes us feel connected or small or whatever it might be. But I believe that that's actually this, this inherent desire for humanity, it's inherent longing for humanity to be humanity to be reunited with its creator. That's what I believe the Bible says, that there's this thing, there's this eternity that's set within us that desires to return to where we came from, which is God, the creator, created, reunited with the creator. So uh, I guess I want to look at some ways in which uh, we pursue God, this, this idea of humanity desiring and pursuing and longing after God. And I'll look at some ways that actually we we inhibit this pursuit, that we think in ways in which we actually lose that ability to pursue God. So let's look at, I think to, to go right back to the, the beginning, we need to look at our story. We need to look at where we came from. So back in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we see that humanity and God, when, when God breathed humanity into existence, we lived in this perfect state of peace with God. We were fully content with our relationship with God, with this intimacy. There was peace between humanity and God. And it said that we walked in the garden, this picture of, of God and humanity living and, and breathing and working and just existing together in this harmony. Like humanity and God had harmony. But then there was this thing that happened where obviously God had given gifts to humanity. It says that we were given the material world to steward. So this earth we were given to look after. And uh, the, the plants and the animals and the birds and all these different things we were given stewardship over. That means this, this sort of responsibility to look after and to guard and to care for. And I guess this, this thing happened whereby humanity began to crave and desire the gifts of God more so than God. So this thing crept into us that I guess we could call self. This, this understanding of self and gain and profit, this idea of getting. Humanity began to learn the words of mine and my, and it's this sort of possessiveness, and humanity began to, to crave and love and desire these gifts that God had given us that were there for us to be, to, to be used by us, that, to help us live and to help us exist in this material world, we began to crave those more 
than this relationship with God. And I guess we could call this place inside of humanity, this inner place, the inner throne. It's like a throne like a king or a queen would sit on. There is a throne in every single one of our lives. There is this inner throne. And when man, humanity and God was in perfect relationship, God inhabited that space. But you see, when we became aware of ourselves and what we wanted and desire and gain, we cast God out of that place and that inner throne was flooded with sin and selfish desire. And what happened was we began to fracture this relationship between humanity and God. There was no longer peace between humanity and God. So from, from that moment, humanity was creating this, this perfect or ideal state, then became fallen. So this material world and everything that exists in it, our own substance, became fallen. So no longer did we have this perfect restored relationship with God, it was now broken and fractured and marred and it didn't look how it was supposed to look anymore. So there is a battle going on in this inner throne. There is this battle between uh, inside of you that is fighting to sit on that throne. Uh, the, in Galatians, Paul writes this, he says, so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. He says they are in conflict with each other. There is this battle raging on in the inner parts of your soul for, the, for this seat on the throne in your life. So when we were in perfect relationship with God, God inhabited that space, but because we went after us, mine, gain, profit, more, we, we desired the material. This rising materialism in humanity was the thing that tripped us up in the first place, our desire for more. We fell in love with the gifts of God and we pushed away God. And now there's this battle. So in every single one of us, we have this desire for God. We have this desire to be, uh, to be reunited with our creator, to be in relationship, in union again with God for this, this relationship to be in harmony, in peace again. Now there's this battle that rages on between this spirit that desires God and then the sinful state in us that wrestles back and forth for the seat on that throne. So I guess, where do we go from here? How, how, do, we, how do we pursue God when, when this desire for more, this desire for gain, this desire for material things, for anything in this material realm was the thing that broke our relationship with God? How do we get back? How do we, how do we pursue God again? Well, it says in Matthew 5, I want to read this out. Jesus says this, uh, often... Um, this is read out so often, but this is Jesus' words. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is saying this. It's this idea of being bankrupt. A commentator once said that it's kind of like taking an inward posture of the outward experience of seeing like a homeless person on the street. So someone that just has nothing, someone that is just asking for like a leg up, asking for some help. It's like we have to have this inward state where we just cast off 
all material things. So this isn't a question of um, is stuff bad or are things bad for us? It's not talking about that, it's talking about the seat on our throne. So Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So the roots of materialism that go deep into our soul. So in fallen humanity, there are this deep root of, of desire for material things. And we need to bankrupt ourselves from those things. And only then will we inherit the kingdom of heaven. Only then can we begin to pursue God again. So Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's this idea, Jesus paints this picture of us casting off all these external things that would give us any form of fulfillment or salvation or purpose in life. Casting them off, pushing them away, and then just being open, just being there with nothing. Like we were sat on the street corner waiting for someone to help us out. It's that picture that if we want to pursue God again, we need to cast off those things and just say to God, God, I, I need you, I'm here. Only you can satisfy, only you can help. And then a little later on in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So it seems that the only way in which we can actually win this battle within ourselves, this fight for that throne is through the cross. Jesus says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. I think this is really powerful. This is interesting. So if you're sat here saying, I want to encounter God in this, this new way. I want to encounter God in, in a way I've never experienced before. You're sat on the sidelines thinking, yeah, like I want to know more about this God. First, we need to rid ourselves of the root of materialism, of desire for more, for greed. And then only then when we take that inward state of a beggar just saying, I, I need some help. We deny ourselves, like in Galatians, like Paul was talking about, how this spirit and flesh, when Jesus says deny themselves, he's saying deny that flesh, deny that desire, that fallen state, deny yourself. Actually, and a little bit later on, he says, if you want to save your life, you must lose it. Now, he's not talking about like any form of, of us leaving this life. He's saying you need to lay down the priority of the flesh remove from the inner throne all of our greed and desire. Remove the flesh from the inner throne. Remove sin from the inner throne. Cleanse that inner throne and allow God to inhabit that space again. They must take up their cross and follow me. It's, it paints this picture of sacrifice. Sacrificing what? Sacrificing our desires. Sacrificing what's the desire? The desire for more. This links right back to the whole human condition, our desire to gain more, me, myself, anything I want. I need more stuff, I need more money, I need more things to inhabit this space so that I can feel like I'm worth something or I can feel like I'll be saved again or I can feel like everything is okay. You're getting this picture. The reason Jesus says, deny themselves and follow me, Rid, this, rid yourself of those desires is because that is the human condition. That is what severed us from God in the first place. So I guess, what does this look like? What, how is this demonstrated in the Bible? I want us to go to Genesis 
22. I'm not going to read it all out. I'm going to summarize this story because I think this demonstrates this inner throne and who is sat on it and how it is we must actually rid ourselves of those roots in order for us to pursue God again. Because I think there's a desire in all of us. Well, I know there's an inherent desire in humanity, but I think there's a desire in, in so many people to just want to know God in a deeper way. I hope you have that desire to just, I just want to understand God more. I want to see him more. I want him to reveal himself more to me. This idea of materialism puts a block to that. So this morning, like, let's look at this. Let's look at how this is demonstrated. So Genesis 22, there's this guy called Abraham. Now, Abraham was given a promise by God. God says to him, look, you're going to have a son. And through you, I am going to create many descendants. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to create uh, this big line. And it was this big promise to Abraham. I'm going to create this huge family line. And I'm going to create my people through you. You're going to be like the blessed people. So Abraham is super old. Him and his wife, it's like past the time when they'd be able to have kids. And it's kind of like a strange promise. And a few messy scenarios go by. Abraham ends up having a child with someone else. He tries to take it into his own hands. Doesn't end very well. Like super bitter. And you can go read about that in the, the chapters leading up to Genesis 22. But what happens is, is finally Abraham sees this, this promise fulfilled. So Abraham and Sarah at this super old age, like way older than they, they could have had kids normally. They conceive a child and they have a child. And this child, imagine in Abraham's life, is the fulfillment of God's promises in his life. So God says to Abraham, you're going to be the father of many, many, many people, many nations. This idea of this like big line, the blessed people, you're going to be the father of that. This child is born. Like it's super impossible circumstances. This child, Isaac, is the embodiment of God's fulfillment of his promises. So you get to see this relationship between, uh, between Abraham and Isaac develop. And, uh, and can you imagine how much Isaac, uh, Abraham would have looked at Isaac like, oh, you are the living embodiment of God's goodness and God's promises always come through. And, and you can see how much he loves and cherishes his son. And then you see this develop, but then we get to Genesis 22 where God, the, the little, the passage tile says, uh, Abraham is tested, right? Abraham is tested. So God says, and it's super blase, like it's mad when you read it. Uh, Abraham, hears the voice of God say, I want you to take your son, the one in whom you love. Now, interesting because Abraham did have this other son. And uh, when we read about what God asked him to do, he could have made some other decisions. But he says, I want you to take your son, the one in whom you love, and uh, I want you to sacrifice him. Like imagine this moment, Abraham being like, okay, God, okay, God, wait. You want me to what? It's like God says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. You're, you're the one whom you love, your son, your only son. Now again, Abraham had this other son, Ishmael, and he could have gone and found him and, and taken him because he loved Isaac so much. He was the fulfillment of the promises. But God was testing him here. He says, I want you to take the one that you love, I want you to take your only son, and I want you to sacrifice. Now, we don't know what went on between the, the evening when he was told and the morning in which he traveled. But I could imagine it being one of the worst experiences ever to go through. Abraham has finally got this son that had been that had been promised to him and God says now we need to sacrifice him it would have been 
painful. It would have been, it would have been like he he would have been thinking, who is this God that I follow? How could he ever ask me to do this? Uh, like I've been faithful to God for so long, and yet He's told me to do this now. What what is it I'm supposed to do? Like how can I, I go about? How can I do this? Like he would have wrestled with God. He would have been, he would have been, I'd imagine in floods of tears and he would have been throwing up and just figuring out how it is, how, what am I supposed to do? How can I think about this? Am I even gonna be a good father doing this? What, how are people gonna look at me? What am I gonna tell Sarah? What's gonna happen? You imagine just the turmoil Abraham would have been in. But in the morning we hear that Abraham loads up uh, his camels and he travels with his son and some of his servants to this place where they're gonna sacrifice his son. Anyway, cut the little bit of the middle out and they end up getting to the place where it is that Abraham is gonna sacrifice his son out of obedience to God. Again, like Abraham would have been in turmoil. What is gonna happen? What am I gonna do? And to make it even worse, it says that Isaac asks Abraham, like, hey dad, um, he said we're coming here for a sacrifice. We've got all the wood, we've got everything we need, but we don't have anything to sacrifice. And Abraham says, hey, it's all right, son, God will provide the sacrifice. I mean, like if that is ever a dodge, I mean, Abraham being like, yeah, don't don't worry about it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I see that God's gonna deal with it. And so Isaac's there kind of wondering what's going on. And it says that Abraham ties up his son and puts him on this altar. And he is about to make this decision that he could never go back on. And just at the moment of no return, God calls out and says, hey, Abraham, 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 don't lay a finger on your son. Don't lay a finger on the boy, leave him. But sort of this idea of, hey, Abraham, I was never gonna ask you to go through with this. Hold up, hold up. And it says, now I know that you fear the Lord. Now I know. That, that you're in this. Now I know that you're obedient. Now I know what is important to you here. It's this idea that as, as Abraham's relationship with Isaac has developed, he was the fulfillment of the promise. I wonder at one point, or at some point in this relationship, did Abraham begin to love Isaac more than he did God? That same human condition that we see at the beginning of humanity, that falling in love with the gift of God more than God himself. At what point did that happen for Abraham? You see, in this story, as, as God asks Abraham to do the unthinkable thing, and he puts his son on this altar, see, God wasn't trying to remove the gift from Abraham's life. He was trying to remove the gift from Abraham's inner throne. God was not trying to ruin Abraham's life and take away this good thing that he'd given him, the fulfillment of his own promise. He was trying to remove Isaac, Abraham's son, from the inner throne of Abraham's life. And you see this idea that to pursue God, we have to remove these roots of other things. We have to remove the other things that we place on the inner throne of our lives if we want to chase after God and if we want to see him and encounter him in a new, deeper way. See, it's this idea of internal versus external. 
it's not at all saying that the external stuff is bad, but it's when we begin to put the external on our inner throne, that is when we need to cleanse ourselves. when God needs to do something in us. Otherwise, he cannot move. God cannot move in our lives if there are some other things sat on that inner throne. The interesting thing is Abraham had to essentially cut loose from everything. And it looked like he had nothing. In the moment when he was about to sacrifice his son, in a moment when it looked like he would have nothing because he would have lost it all, he then became profoundly aware that in God, he had everything. Now, does this make sense when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit? Because when you realize you reject everything and you have nothing is the moment you realize you actually have everything. Now, it doesn't even mean that you have to give away all of your stuff. It means you have to extinguish the root of materialism in your life. Okay, because let's look at this with Abraham. Abraham was still a very wealthy man. Okay, he'd, he'd cut off all the roots. He was obedient to God. He, he took this love of Isaac from the inner throne and he cast it off. He was willing to lose it. And in that moment, God knew that now he had space to inhabit that inner throne again. But then the second Abraham was fully aware that in God, he had everything. And this other thing, this, this fulfillment wasn't enough for his soul. He was profoundly aware of all of this, this goodness and the, the vast future that God had for him. He still left. He still had everything that he had in his life. He still had his son. He still had his wife. He was still a very wealthy man. And I find this interesting because to remove this root, it is not just saying you cannot have anything. It's not say, Jesus is not saying blessed is the person that is poor for the sake of the gospel. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who have bankrupted their soul of any earthly tie, of any earthly value and realized. I read in one of Toza's books that it said people would have looked at Abraham and thought, he's a rich man. And it said Abraham would have cracked a smile knowing that None of his riches were found in any of this external stuff, but in this heightened awareness of the riches of the kingdom of heaven. In that moment, he became aware of God in his life in a new, profound way. So if you're sat here saying, I want to encounter God, then we got to follow this process, rid ourselves of those roots. It was like it just didn't matter anymore. And then look at this. This is just a side note in Genesis 22, 16 and 17. I've only got a few minutes left, but it says, because you have done this, referring to the thing that Abraham went through to sacrifice his son, because you have done this, you have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Abraham had to cleanse that inner, that inner throne. He had to rid himself of that before God could do with him what he wanted to do. Can I just say, I wonder in your life, what it, I wonder if there is the future that God has set within you that just cannot come, that cannot come out. God is desperately trying to move through you, to use you, but he's just waiting for you to cleanse that inner throne, to cut ties with the, the earthly value to cut ties with this materialism, to cut ties with the human condition that just says, I want more. 
I need more. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I believe that God wants to work through you and use you. I, b- I believe that God has something significant on every single one of you listening right now. Don't, let, don't live out this tragedy where we're so caught up with external value and earthly things that we lose the value that God wants to instill in our internal self. God wants to know us and encounter us in a deeper way. We can be reunited with our Creator, fulfill that God-shaped hole in our life. Just in conclusion, in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this, I love it, it says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. This idea of Jesus saying, deny yourself, lay down those desires, that desire for more, lay it down and follow me. God says in Jeremiah here, when you seek me with all your heart, not a divided heart, with with half of it on desire for earthly gain and half of it on a sort of half like effort for a bit of God. It says when you rid yourself of that and seek me with all of your heart, this is a promise. You will find me. You will find me. So if you're sat there desiring God. His promise is, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. My question for you this morning listening is, are you seeking God with your whole heart? Or have you kept a few things on the sidelines as your plan B? Have you kept a few things on the sideline, just hoping that one day, maybe it'll be enough. It's like your backup plan. Like, I need Jesus, but I've got this, I've got this money. I've got this stuff that'll, that'll see me through if that doesn't work out. God is waiting to move in your life. God is waiting to embrace you, to to speak to you, to reveal more of himself to you. Are you seeking him with all your heart? Maybe there's some things in this inner throne that you need to give up. I love this story of Abraham. It's just this big foreshadowing of Jesus. When, When God says to Abraham, look, you, you didn't give up. I mean, you were willing to give up your only son, so therefore I'm going to bless you. It's this big picture of the fact that actually in, in the New Testament, we see that God gave his one and only son, and it wasn't, he didn't stop it at the last minute. He went all the way. Why? For you and for me. Because like I said, human, uh, humanity and God, our relationship was fractured because of our desire. God wanted to restore it. He wanted to make a way for us to make it back to him. God wanted to find a way. God wanted to create this bridge so that we could walk back into the people we were designed to be, walking in harmony with God. So he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live a human life, to experience life, to die on a cross and take on our sin, our our shame, our guilt, our brokenness, the areas that we fall short. He, He took on this punishment and he created this way for us to make it back to the Father. And he rose again three days later, walking out of a grave, walking on the heads of guilt and shame and sin and death. And he made a way for me and you to live restored, transformed and free. I don't know about you this morning, but maybe today is the day that you're going to make that desire to follow Jesus. You're going to make that decision 
to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to live a life in relationship with you. If that's you this morning, I want you to pray a dead simple prayer. I want you to just take your life, take your brokenness, take your guilt, your shame, your past, your future, all of it, and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. In the light of all you've done for me, in the light of the cross, in the light of your great love for me, I give you my life. Won't you come and speak to me? If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Maybe you're listening today and you've just been seeking after God and you're just after that new, fresh encounter from Him. You just got to seek Him with your whole heart. Rid yourself of those roots and lean into God. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you that you aren't done with us. That when we severed our relationship with you, when we opted for this sinful desire of more and gain and ourselves, God, I thank you didn't just write us off. God, I thank you that you came after us, that you sent yourself down to this earth and you took our place. God, I pray for every single person that made that decision for the first time today to follow you. Holy Spirit, would you convict them of things they need to give over to you? God, would you reveal yourself in a way that they have never experienced before? Would you fill that inner throne of their life right now? God, may they be, feel so connected and united and at one with you right now. I pray over every single person listening right now for a deep and meaningful encounter with you. God, we're, we're not satisfied with just knowing you as ideas. We're not satisfied with just knowing you through uh, just different ideologies and concepts. We want to know you. We want to encounter you, God. We want you to transform us. We are not satisfied with just living the Christian life. We want to live in relationship with you in all the messiness and brokenness of humanity. We want relationship with you. So God, I pray for every single person that is seeking you this morning, that is making that decision to seek you with their entire whole heart. God, I pray that today would be a day that they look back on and they see that their relationship with you just stepped up to a new level. God, we pray over our society and our community in the midst of this coronavirus. I pray for peace. I pray for just a stillness in the hearts and in the souls of everyone listening right now. We pray for just a wisdom to come in our government, a wisdom to make decisions and a peace for the way forward. God, we thank you that you are still in control. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you made that decision for the first time this morning to say you wanted to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. We want to walk this through. Um, and if you did make that decision, get in touch with us and uh, we will give you some resources. We'll give you some next steps that you can take. And uh, we've loved having you this morning, whoever you are, whatever your story is, uh, God is not done with you and he wants to speak to you and he wants to move through you. So my prayer for you today is that you can encounter God in a new way. We love you and we're praying for you. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.